Hello, hello everyone, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Wormburner Podcast. I am your host, Justin, and for this week we are going to be talking a little bit about what's going on in Europe, having to do with the transfer rumors that have been coming out here, or coming out of Europe. Uh, there is two players that at least have a very big profile that have been getting transfer rumors within the past couple weeks. Uh, one more recently coming out actually today that I wanted to cover and at least bring up in future episodes. I feel like it was something that was worth talking about. And then going to our breakdown League of the Week. It is the Bundesliga this week from Germany. Man, there's a crazy history there, as well as just the overall landscape of the Bundesliga. We'll be going over the history and, of course, the rivalries. And then interesting fact of the week will round out the league breakdown. Then we will go to our extra man advice of the week. And that'll wrap up our episode. So if you have not already, go ahead and give us a like on our Facebook page, The Wormburner Podcast. And if you have not checked out our website, it is the-wormburner-podcast.captivate.fm. Again, that is the-wormburner-podcast.captivate.fm. If you think anyone would like our podcast, go ahead and share it with them, listen to it with them, and let's go ahead and spread this podcast around so... Going on to our first topic, the two big players that have been linked with big transfer moves within this next summer transfer window is the first one that has happened at least over the past two weeks. It's been transpiring over the past two weeks is Erling Brent Holland to Manchester City. I kind of wanted to hold off on it mainly due to the fact of being a City supporter myself. I didn't want to really overhype it too much, but with the whole situation unraveling with Erling Brent Holland, their Manchester City and Erling Brent Holland are reportedly in advance talks, and they have already apparently signed a deal. This is all under speculation because, again, reporting can be off sometimes. They're in advanced talks with Erling Brent Holland. A deal could be reached within the next couple of weeks, especially since this summer Erling Brent Holland will have a release clause in his contract, allowing him to leave Borussia Dortmund for a reported 75 million euros to basically any team that puts in a bid of that value to him. Now, is City a good choice? That's something I wanted to talk about a little myself. I feel like anybody that would say that it's a bad choice, I would genuinely love to hear their reasoning. We had invested a lot of money when it comes to forward talent. I mean, we just brought Jack Grealish, for example. We had bought Gabriel Jesus. We've bought Sergio Aguero, which... That's gone and dusted now with him being uh, retired, sadly, from Barcelona. You also have Raheem Sterling. We've gone and bought Leroy Sané a couple summers ago, but uh, has since sold him to Bayern Munich. More on them later with the league breakdown. But we've spent so much money 
and that's not even including Riyad Mahrez. But the ultimate question here is, as I've stated before, is Erling Brent Holland good for Manchester City? Yes. Simply put, yes. To expand on a little bit, I feel personally that he is a product of the future for us. The only downside to signing Erling Brent Holland, which is one of the saddest things to me personally, again going back to the evaluation of players that we've already bought, we had previously bought Gabriel Jesus to take the mantle of Aguero when he did decide to leave. I'm assuming under the current regime with Pep Guardiola that that is no longer the case because he is not really deploying Gabriel as much. There's some speculation from reports and from from stat people in soccer that Gabriel Jesus isn't as consistent as Aguero was, which I can definitely understand that. And seeing the way that Gabriel plays, he can be inconsistent to some degree. When it comes to Erling Brent Holland, Gabriel Jesus would have to be sold to make up the cost of selling or buy, sorry, buying Erling Brent Holland. Especially with the sole fact of if we buy Erling Brent Holland, he will want a first team contract as a starter. And that's something that Gabriel Jesus would not be keen to playing second fiddle to Holland. At least at his age, if he wants to become a better player, he needs regular starting time, and that's just something that City won't allow for the overall position that they're in. That is a, a downside in itself. Is it worth the risk of signing Holland? Absolutely, in my opinion. I feel like anybody, again, that it does feels differently. It would be crazy not to take Erling Brent Holland. <laughs> I know that I had previously had a conversation with a friend of mine that was a Chelsea supporter. And he was talking about how if they had received Holland or if they bought Holland, they would be completely unstoppable. I completely agree. It Pretty much Erling Brent Holland can really and truly become the best striker in the world. One of the best strikers in the world. It just depends on how he is utilized and how he is effectively taken into a team and how he develops that team. City, I feel, not to be biased, is one of those areas where he could improve and become a better player. But to speak from Erling Brent Holland's point of view, he would have to adapt a lot more than he already is. He is already a great player. This is not me knocking Erling Brent Holland. He's already a really good player, but to actually fit into Pep's system, he would have to develop a part of his game that, to some degrees, statistical-wise, people have alerted to. His defensive numbers aren't as high to be performing in a Pep system. Some would argue that they are, some would argue that they aren't. That's really up for you to decide when it comes to your point of view. I'm just providing the 
statistics when it comes to it or providing the points of views when it comes to it. Am I going to sit here and say that I don't want Erling Brent Holland? Absolutely not. <laughs> As I've said before, it would be ridiculous for me to say that. But to come to a pep system with not as much defensive contribution as some of the other people that have come through Pep's way of teaching, like Lewandowski, like Messi, like Aguero. He needs to develop that part of his game. And this is not me saying that he he won't do that. I think he will, because he's that kind of player that will be able to adapt those traits young and so when he does evolve into the better player that everyone knows that he can be, he'll be a much better player for developing those traits under Pep. That's why I feel like this is a really good move for him. It's whether or not it's going to happen. Because I do know that within the next transfer window, PSG and Real Madrid are going to be gunning for him. That's already a, a given conclusion. Whether whether Real Madrid get him, though, is a different issue because you're talking about being a backup for at least a year, possibly two. It really depends on if Kareem Benzema keeps on going the way that he's been going, which is ridiculous. He's been an absolute madman for Real he single-handedly, almost single-handedly, because I can't, I can't take away from the other people that are on that team. But Benzema has been absolutely lethal for Real Madrid this year, and you want Erling Brent Holland to sit on the bench for two years to replace Benzema once he retires. That can definitely be a possibility that Holland would want. Maybe I definitely see him taking up that kind of seat at Real, especially being Real Madrid. It's the best team in the world, arguably. Now, PSG links have said that Holland would be a quote-unquote replacement for Kylian Mbappe, and I definitely see why you're losing one of the best youth prospects the world has seen since... I mean, granted, it hasn't been that long ago, but Messi and Ronaldo. But you're putting in a talent that has a lot of growth to come in for him. Would that be a good move for Holland as well? Honestly, I can see that happening as well, too. Because you're talking about development with a team that may not be pushing for titles like Real is with the Champions League, per se. You'll be gaining experience with the French League, uh, winning titles in the French League, because obviously PSG is going to be running for those titles consistently on a consistent basis, whether they win them or not. Last year is a perfect example. They didn't win it last year. So he will have that level of competition to keep keep himself up to par when it comes to keeping himself fit. And then when... Benzema retires, Real can then go for Holland from PSG, even though that would be a massive, massive transfer if that happened. That's really up to Holland to decide. 
those are just the options and those are the reports that have been coming out over Erling Brent Holland. Now going towards the other transfer that has come out today, the transfer rumor that has come out today, Robert Lewandowski has apparently signed personal terms with Barcelona, which is absolutely mental in my opinion. I don't know if this kid if this if this would actually happen to the reports that I had seen Lewandowski was happy in Bar- in Bayern Munich there were reports coming out last season for Lewandowski to go to City I do remember that and he had said he had been unhappy at that point is he still unhappy possibly there was an angle I had seen with the report that brought it out pretty clearly that this could actually happen, Lewandowski, to Barcelona. It's that Lewandowski has taken the ability to not win the Ballon d'Or extremely personally. That's the only trophy he's never won when it comes to a player actually being able to win these titles. And if he is able to go to Barcelona and become a part of the revamping of a once great team to become an even better team than before if he is a centerpiece of that he would be a shoe-in for top three on the Ballon d'Or easily that was a really good argument I had seen from a report that I had found arguably that's pretty good motive for a player of Lewandowski's age and potential still. He's still an elite striker. And to be in a league against Benzema, which he's up in his age as well, he he is they're both going at an unbelievable rate to be competing against each other. That would be something interesting in a rivalry. Lewandowski versus Kareem Benzema. Ooh, that would really spark up the El Clasico again. That would really spark it up. Not to the level of Ronaldo and Messi, but hey, you know, you can't have everything in the world that you want. But there is definitely some merit to the argument of Lewandowski going to Barcelona. I didn't want to spend too much more time on it, mainly due to the fact that there isn't 100% confirmed both for Holland and for Lewandowski, but this is both talking points I really wanted to talk about because these are massive transfers that could possibly happen. And I remember with Neymar going to PSG, hardly anybody even covered it. Even the publications that covered Neymar to PSG, they weren't taken seriously at all. Everyone laughed it off like it was never going to happen. And now everyone, when it comes to soccer reporting-wise the slightest sniff of a report everyone's like oh this is going to happen this is going to happen am i saying that these two transfers are going to happen absolutely not but they're definitely worth looking into especially if you want to see these players and have, and be along for the ride for their development i think it would be an absolute or at least the development of holland not per se Lewandowski, because he's coming towards the end of his career, but he can definitely morph into something else that we haven't seen before, especially under Xavi, because that would be a very interesting, interesting, interesting matchup when it comes to coaching and and actually playing for 
a person like Chavi. I wonder how Lewandowski would really take the position at Barcelona, as well as the overall situation itself with Barcelona's finances. I don't know how much this plays into it, because I'm not entirely sure Barcelona have the funds to be able to do something like that. Because, to the best of my knowledge, and all the reports are saying the exact same thing, Bayern would not let Lewandowski go cheap. And if we're looking for cheap players for Barcelona to improve their team on, Lewandowski would not be one of them at all. It, in my opinion, and the reports that have been showing, it, it would not be a very cheap transfer. Not downplaying the ability of this transfer to happen, but there's a lot of factors that need to be answered before something like this happens. I think that if they do have the funds, if Barcelona does have the funds, they would be absolutely, they would shoot themselves in the foot if they didn't go for a player like Lewandowski. That's just my opinion. Now, with all of this being said, let's go ahead and go into our league breakdown of the Bundesliga this week. Man, oh man, is it a doozy. Alright, so with the league breakdown of the Bundesliga, man, man, man. So there has been one clear and deciding team that has been the overall dominant force in the Bundesliga. I'm fairly confident that all of you know who it is, but just to say who it is, it is Bayern Munich. They have a total of 30 titles 30 Bundesliga titles under their belt over a span of close to 60 years in total, with the Bundesliga being founded in 1963, the official Bundesliga that we know today being founded in 1963. The next five teams, or the next four teams after Bayern Munich, four titles is Borussia Dortmund with five, Borussia Mönchengladbach with five, Werder Bremen with four, and then topping out the top five is Hamburg SV with three titles. Now, just to show how dominant Bayern Munich have been in the Bundesliga since the early 1960s, You can take the total of titles won by every other team other than Bayern Munich and it still wouldn't beat Bayern Munich for the amount of titles won. That's how many titles Bayern Munich has won. The total, just for actual actual information purposes, the total amount of titles won by every other team other than Bayern Munich is 28 they're still two titles away from even tying Bayern Munich, not even including topping them. That's just, that's ridiculous. That's amazing how long Bayern Munich have really and truly been the star power of the Bundesliga. There's a reason why Bayern Munich has been given the nickname FC Hollywood. That's that's definitely, they've definitely lived up to that name And if you think I'm joking about the whole FC Hollywood tag, 
I, I highly advise for you to Google FC Hollywood. Bayern Munich will come up. I'm not joking. That's how dominant they've been, and that's why they have the nickname they have of FC Hollywood. They buy the best players. They win the most trophies. At the end of the day, it is really and truly all about them when it comes to the Bundesliga. Now, when it comes to the DFB Pokal, or the German Cup, domestic cup competition, again, Bayern Munich dominate that competition as well. Since the founding of the DFB Pokal in 1935, 87 years ago, the most winners of the competition is Bayern Munich with 20 titles under their belt with the top five being of course as I just stated Bayern Munich with 20 Werder Bremen with six Schalke 04 with five Borussia Dortmund with five and then Eintracht Frankfurt with five titles the domination continues with both the league and domestic cup competition it's no surprise honestly because Bayern Munich have been an absolute powerhouse since the inception of the Bundesliga in 1963. And the reason I say the inception of the Bundesliga in 1963 is because Germany is a little bit different when it comes to the leagues that they have. In total, since 1903, Germany has had five professional leagues. It's five, not one, not two, not three, but five different top flight titles. So from 1903 to 1932, you had the Werderbrands League. In 1933 to 1945, during the German Nazi reign, you had the Gaul League. Then West Germany became its own independent league in 1946. And then all the way up until 1963 with the Umbar League. Then West Germany had its own from 1949 to 1991. Was then taken out and morphed into the Bundesliga. Then in 1963 to present day, we get the current inception of the Bundesliga. Now... With this being said, it is very hard to track how many teams in Germany have been relegated versus not been relegated. It gets a little bit confusing, but the team that has had the longest stay in the German top flight when it comes to the Bundesliga is Bayern Munich. Since 1965, they won promotion into the German Bundesliga, and they have not been relegated at all since then. Every other team in Germany has been relegated at some point to the second division of Germany. If you look at the overall history of the German league from 1903 to present day, All in all, it's a ridiculously competitive league. It's one I always say, if you have the ability to see in person, it's 
it it would be an unbelievable experience for you to even have that under your belt now when it comes to the rivalries in the German Bundesliga and in the German leagues in general there's two that I really want to highlight because one even though there is a domination of one team in the German Bundesliga there is a rivalry of course worth mentioning which is the classic or the classical that is the German translation I'm not even going to attempt how to how it's actually said but that is the rivalry between Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund the two m- more successful teams or Borussia Dortmund being the more successful out of the other German teams. Now, whether people view it as a competitive rivalry off of titles, that's a completely different story. Nine times out of ten when it comes down to the league itself, it's a 1-2 between Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich. When it comes to the domestic cup competitions, it's similarly the exact same way. This is not to in any way downgrade the rivalry between Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich. They hold a rivalry competitive-wise cannot be compared to a bunch of other rivalries around the world. It is one of the better competitions or competitive rivalries between two teams. Even though the titles may not have been evenly split out. But it is definitely a rivalry that it's worth mentioning. If you see it on the television, you need to watch this rivalry. The other rivalry that won't at least have any scene in the Bundesliga for at least the next year if not longer it really depends on when the team in question gets promoted back up to the Bundesliga that is Schalke 04 we are talking about the other rivalry is between Borussia Dortmund and Schalke 04 with the Riviera Derby the reason I wanted to highlight this is because when it comes geologically this is one of the most heated rivalries in Germany. There was an episode that I really genuinely love and a series if you're actually interested when it comes to the rivalries around Europe. It's called Derby Days. Copa 90 actually does this series. If you have not seen that series, I highly suggest that you go and watch it. It's a very good series. But the title of that episode really sums up how much of a heated rivalry it is between Borussia Dortmund and Schalke 04. It's the name of the episode is a feeling greater than hate. What do you even say to that? Like <laughs> a feeling deeper than hate, a feeling stronger than hate. You have a feeling stronger than hate for your opponent. What? Like, if you say that in any other kind of situation other than soccer-related or sports-related, you're going to get some eyes drawn to you. <laughs> it's 
No, wow, that is an unbelievable feeling, and they show you in that episode, they show you this isn't about the league titles, it's not about the cups, it's about regional pride, it's about their city pride, to be able to beat their rival, beat the other team across the way, to say that they are the better person, or the better team, and... In true fashion, it really does come down to some of these fans would rather win this derby than win the league. Not to say that it's competitive to the sense that Bayern Munich gives up very many titles, winning 30 out of almost 60. It shows how heated this rivalry really and truly is, even though there may not be a title on the line. Even though there may not be anything at stake when it comes to the Bundesliga title. This rivalry gets very, very heated and something to really view and see if you have the opportunity. Thankfully, when it comes to major instances or major incidents, this rivalry doesn't have a, a ton of those. Unfortunately, next week does because we'll actually be going into Argentina as a little sneak peek into next week's episode. But when it comes to the Riviera Derby, it is, even though it has a lot more passion, when it comes to the overall incidents of the Riviera Derby, it doesn't seem to weigh as heavily when it comes when it compares to other rivalries around the world. Now, going into our interesting fact of the week, I think that this is really and truly an interesting fact that sets apart from all the other ones that we have done. When it comes to the Bundesliga, they actually have a rule in place that states that a team or a team's ownership consortium cannot own more than 50% of the club. This is what is known as the 50 plus 1 rule when it comes to the Bundesliga. And a little explanation into that, the 50 plus 1 rule basically confirms and guarantees that the majority ownership of a club, Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund, Eintracht Frankfurt, any of those German teams, if a consortium or a group of people or one owner wants to buy the club, they aren't bought out and the fans actually have a say in what is going on with their club. A very famous incident that ended up happening or very famous action that ended up happening was Arsenal ended up hiking up their tickets in England and the teams in the German league were actually lowering their ticket prices because they can actually go to their club, go to the hierarchy of their club because they have a majority say being a member of that club and showing them, hey, we feel that we are paying a little too much for ticket prices and they can actually negotiate what goes on there it's a it's a completely wholesome way of being able to run a club and something that maybe the united states can strive for 
I know that it's a lot asking for, considering the fact of the ownerships when it comes to the NFL, the MLB, and the NBA, and all of that. I know it's a lot to ask, but it's a very wholesome way to run a club, and something to me, it inspires me to really look up to the Bundesliga above all the other leagues. Even though I'm a fan of Manchester City, that's really awesome to see something like that. It goes back to your grassroots. It goes back to your fans, to listen to your fans, listen to the people that actually support you. It's, like I said, it's just so wholesome and amazing. And I wish more leagues did this. It That was really and truly the main reason why I wanted to do it, because there is no other rule, at least to the best of my knowledge, that exists in the world of soccer other than in Germany. And it's such a wholesome rule. It's such a amazing thing to have. And as I've stated before, I wish more leagues did this. But that's going to go ahead and wrap up our League Explained this week. I want to go ahead and get into our extra advice of the week, seeing that we are going up on our time. So our extra man advice of the week, I want to take it in a different direction than I had done in the majority of the previous episodes, and that's I want to get a tiny bit into scouting. What things scouts look for when it comes to overall player performances and player potential. There are five key areas that scouts look for. The first one is technique, the way that you pass the ball, the way that you move, the way that you do specific actions can really tell how far you are along playing the game. Are you a newcomer with a year of experience? Are you a moderately experienced player with five years of experience? Do you have 10 years of experience? It all depends on your technique, what your technique shows, and how it can improve over the span of your career. Tactical awareness, this is a big one when it comes to people that I've seen and I've met. Being able to know where your role is in the team, being able to know you you have to track back and help defend, you're in one of those positions where you have to track back and defend, this is where the technical tactical awareness comes in of knowing what your role is, knowing what you need to do, having your coach convey to you what you need to do. This is this is how you know what you need to do. And if you have that tactical awareness, this puts you above a lot of other people in that scenario that may or may not know what exactly to do when it comes to a specific role or a specific position that you're playing. The next thing is physical ability. Are you small like Messi and you can dribble around a bunch of people? Are you really tall like Zlatan Ibrahimovic and you can head the ball into the back of the net? Or you're tall and strong like Sergio Ramos and being able to muscle people off the ball as a defender or maybe Iker Casillas being a really good goalkeeper having your reflexes extremely high and knowing how to react when certain things happen those are physical attributes that know to look for and if you exude those physical 
attributes, they can then see that, know what to do to improve your game, and then relay that information to the club that is may or may not be wanting to sign you. That's where the physical ability comes in. The competitiveness when it comes to how you play, do you treat the game nonchalantly? You're having fun like a pickup soccer game when you're at a tryout. When you're at a tryout, are you going 110% every single minute of every single time? How do you know where to go and so on and so forth? That's where the competitiveness is. If you're treating a tryout like a kickabout at the park and not really taking it that seriously, I guarantee you zero scouts will come and sign. That's just not something that happens. If, if you are competitive, you need to show it when you're at tryouts. This is just an example, but something that scouts look for. And then lastly, and cannot be underestimated, good behavior. I know people, and I've even talked to people that knew other people that had bad attitudes. And just because they had a bad attitude... The scout didn't pick them. In fact, there was an individual that I had overheard a conversation about and listened to. They were telling a story of how a person, they were so good, they were so talented, but they had a really, really bad attitude. And they ended up going off on their coach for making a choice that affected their game. The scout saw that. He ended up not selecting that player and ended up selecting another player on the exact same team he was playing for. How does, what, like, how do you blow an opportunity like that by having a bad attitude? So have a good attitude. Have a good behavior when it comes to playing the game. Be immersive, wanting to learn about the game. That's where it kind of goes to the competitive competitiveness in a sense are you eager do you want to learn about this stuff do you have that good attitude of knowing that at the end of the day it is a game you need to be able to treat your teammates and even the opponent with respect do you have that kind of behavior and nine times out of ten if you don't have a good behavior the scouts will see it and they will not pick you or relay your information back to the team that wants to sign you that's just the moral of the story when it comes to the end of this episode now if you have not already check out our facebook page facebook.com forward slash the Wormburner podcast and if you haven't checked out our website is the dash wormburner dash podcast dot captivate dot fm again that is the dash wormburner dash podcast dot captivate dot fm Thank you so much for making it to the end of this episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you. A million times thank you for making it to the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. It is a bit longer than the other episodes I have, so I hope next week I can really crop crop down on the time and help you guys out with that. With all of that being said, I hope you guys have a phenomenal next week and being able to have fun playing soccer and doing all the amazing things that I know you guys are doing. So stay safe, have fun, love soccer, and I'll see you guys next week. Ciao, everyone.